This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Exo Marriage Podcast. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's having a great 2020. I am your host, Brent Evans. I'm excited to bring you another episode today. And I wanted to tell you about our conference coming up next month, the Exo Marriage Conference. We talk about it every year. It's the highlight of our year. It's our biggest conference. It's at Gateway Church, South Lake, Texas. It, the event's sold out, actually, but we have a new opportunity for couples to join the event from their home. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to hear about that. I'll talk about it later on in the podcast episode. But first, coming up, I'm having a conversation with Mark and Grace Driscoll. They're great friends of mine in the ministry. And I got to know about this message from their book, When You're War. I downloaded the audiobook, started listening to it, and I realized that if we understand spiritual warfare and how it relates to marriage, it can change everything. It is a game changer when it comes to marriage. And so I want you to listen into this conversation. Mark and Grace take this very deep and very far and very wide. I had some questions for them about demons and about how the spiritual realm can affect relationships, us personally, but also our spouses as well. So I want you to listen to my conversation with them. Please stay tuned. Here comes my conversation with Mark and Grace Driscoll. I am with the great Mark and Grace Driscoll from Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Glad to be here, buddy. Uh, so you're in town. Uh, I just wanted to take advantage of you being in town, having you come over and spend some time with you both. Uh, I've been listening to Win Your War audiobook, and I will have to say, Grace, your voice is way better <laughs> yeah. than Mark's. Yeah, it's Thank Beauty you. and the Beast part two over here. Yeah, uh, And I'm not just saying that. I listened uh, to, the, to the audiobook at one and a half speed. So talking to you today will actually feel a bit more uh, at a normal pace, and it'll be nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, but welcome, and thanks for being here. I, I definitely want to dive into the topic of spiritual warfare. Uh, Pastor Mark, I heard you speak at the Gateway Conference. Yeah. Uh, your your message, um, I grew up in a charismatic church. I know all about spiritual warfare. I've heard about it all my life. But your message actually gave me a better understanding of how there is a unseen realm. Yeah. And that churches are outposts uh, for that unseen realm. Mm. And that every day we're fighting against and wrestling with uh, things that we don't understand. Yeah. Uh, most of us don't understand. So I thought that was fascinating. And then in the book, y'all talk a lot about marriage and relationship with God, and relationship with your children, and how that the understanding of the unseen realm plays into uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot to talk about in those <laughs> in those things. But first and foremost, uh, tell me about Scottsdale, your your church, the Trinity Church, your, your family, you have five kids. Yeah, so we met in high school. Uh, I got Grace was a pastor's daughter. I got saved reading the Bible that her and her dad bought me. And so, um, yeah, we've been together a while. I mean, you know, 31 years we've been together, 27 years we've been married. We got five kids, three boys, two girls. I think by the time this airs, they'll be 14, 16, 18, 20, and 22. So we're in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're great kids. They love the Lord. And about three years ago, with the past, with the help of your dad, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, and also uh, Pastor Robert Morris, we started 
the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, it's three years old. We bought a building. The kids all serve there. It's going really well. Grace runs the women's ministry. I run the men's ministry. Our daughter's overseeing missions. It's it's going really well. The people are super sweet, and it's been a really fun thing to do as a family project. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you'd add to that, babe. Yeah, no, we're just really thankful for where God has launched us forward. In the, in the Trinity Church, the building was a blessing. The the process of that, I know Preston Morrison was a part of that process. Exactly. The building is in a phenomenal location. I mean, you yeah. couldn't have asked for a better spot to, to plant a church in Scottsdale. I love Scottsdale. Same here. Yeah, we're Seven months out of the year, it's heaven. It is. And um, I've begged my wife to, to spend more time there. Uh, but tell me, y'all have been there for a few years now. So tell me how you've adjusted to life in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that look like? I mean, are you guys feeling like you're— uh, finding um, you're grow, growing the church, you're finding some some fellowship communities, you're integrating with those uh, parts of the community that you want to. Yeah, we didn't know anybody when we moved there, and so it's been an adjustment relationally. But for me, right away, it felt like home, even though I'd been in Washington for 45 years. So I was thankful that God gifted that to me. Um, our kids took a while to adjust, but I think we're all really happy there and feel like it's a home for us long term, and we're just. Super thankful for the sun and the people. And yeah, we've built some really great, healthy relationships there. Yeah, good. I was out there with my dad. Uh, him and Tom flew in for an event with you. Yeah. And me and Ashley went to kind of scope out some things. And um, uh, we were there right before spring training. Yeah. And I was like, why is every hotel so full here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's for, for baseball lovers, it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's the promised land. Okay. I want to dive into win your war, fight in the realm you don't see for freedom and the one that you do. And again, I've been going through the audio book. Um, and, and Grace, I re- resonated with your story because I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. My parents were uh, obviously Jimmy and Karen Evans had Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. It was a non-denominational, spirit-filled, charismatic church. <laughs> it was uh, extremely uh, on the forefront because my parents came away from the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. They found the Holy Spirit. Uh, the charismatic movement I wasn't necessarily at its peak, but it was pretty close to the peak back in the 80s yeah. and, and early 90s. Uh, and so I saw some strange things, uh, things that, you know, for— for a kid, were a little bit odd and weird. Yeah. Uh, in the 90s, I remember uh, around 1997, 1998 at Trinity, there was a woman who was demon-possessed, mm-hmm. and they were trying to do freedom ministry on her, and she was screaming that the Antichrist was the Internet. Wow. And um, looking back, I'm thinking to myself— That might have been prophetic. <laughs> yeah, what, what does that mean? Yeah. So I'm a very logical person. When I, when I see something, I'm very much about processing it and analyzing it from a— uh, you know, A plus B equals C, you, mm-hmm. you, you really kind of have a hard time freaking me out about certain things, but I have been freaked out before. And so when you see things that are paranormal, uh, not natural in this realm, uh, to be able to explain those things to believers yeah. um, is 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 a challenge. And so one of the things I want to start with is, why is it so hard for believers to talk about the unseen realm? Because in your talk, you said that pastors— We'll read a scripture about principalities and powers and warfare and angels. And you said they don't want to answer the question. So talk about how, as believers, we can begin to uh, have more conversations about that. Well, I think as Christians, we we focus a lot on who is God and who are you. But also, too, by the time you get to the third page of the Bible, you know, who's your enemy? Who's his enemy? And unless you factor all of that in, I think life becomes very hard to— 
experience and then rightly interpret. And so we all have experiences, but it, it really is our our worldview, our ideology, our presuppositions that determine how we interpret it. And so if you don't think of Satan, demons, angels, the unseen realm, all of a sudden it's either you or God or people and and, and you just get very confused because you don't you don't know what is actually happening. Um and and we, you know, believe that you're one person, two parts. You've got a physical body and a spiritual soul. And those represent the two realms, that there is a seen realm of physical beings, there is an unseen realm of divine beings. And I think some of the error in theology, I'm more of a theological nerd, I've preached through about half of the books of the Bible verse by verse. We tend to just refer to all of that as angelic or demonic, but the Bible talks about the sons of God, the divine council, it talks about the heavenly host. There, So there's numbers of divine beings in the unseen realm. And there's some variety and differentiation. And they gather together in the Bible in the presence of God in what's called the divine council. And I believe that's where Satan in Job comes before God in the divine council. I believe that the divine council met on earth uh, in Eden. So when Satan shows up, Eve doesn't seem very freaked out. It was a place that angelic and, you know, divine and human beings would combine and and commingle and come together in the presence of God. And so I think the Bible is very clear on these things, but I think a few hundred years of Western rationalism, enlightenment, skepticism, atheism, naturalistic worldview has caused us to, to sort of tone down, tune down the supernatural parts of the Bible. Jesus was born of a virgin. Angels showed up at his birth. Other than that, we don't say much. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say, and I think what we're seeing now is that worldview is flipped from naturalism to supernaturalism. Everybody's interested in UFOs, aliens, zombies, liches, you know, um, all of the superhero movies or someone from another realm comes in that's part human and more to deliver us from fate. I mean, it, the whole culture is just enamored with the supernatural, and the church is a little, they're a little... They're a little reticent to delve into the issues that I think they're questions that people are asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are big time. And uh, you see it. Horror movies are very oh, yeah. popular. Uh, they, they say that Hollywood has a hard time finding a movie that can sometimes make money. But if a horror movie is coming out, they're just guaranteed yeah. to make money because people are enthralled with whatever that feeling is that they get. I don't enjoy horror movies. Me neither. They make me feel weird. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, in our culture, it's very, very, very much— uh, ingrained uh, in our society, but also with aliens and the you know the UFOs. Uh, you talk to people and they believe in that stuff. They, oh yeah, they, they're more willing to believe yeah. in that than they are that there's a, a guardian angel or something or a demon they, or a demon. Well, and that's what we found. You know, years ago, C.S. Lewis had sort of the classic argument: Jesus is Lord, liar, or lunatic. Those are your three options. Today, there's a fourth. He's an alien. Mm -hmm. And there's a growing number of millennials, those that are watching the History Channel, and they've decided Jesus did exist. He was real. He had superhuman ability, but it's because he was an alien from another planet. And so a lot of what I think people are attributing as alien life from another planet may be divine life from another realm. They may be closer to the truth than they think. What about the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church seems like they really believe in it. I read an article this morning about a man who was demon-possessed, yeah. and uh, it was on Drudge Report. And I, I printed it off because he was describing this moment where he had gotten divorced, and he was hopeless, and there was a pendulum in his house and a Scrabble board. Mm -hmm. And he started asking questions to the pendulum, hoping that the Scrabble board would begin to spell out words. 
Well, for 10 days straight, he did that, and it, nothing happened. Then one time he came home, and it said, I'll have to read it verbatim at some point to y'all, but it said something to the point of, we are here, we are inside you, like we're, 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 we're present. And uh, it started this process of this man being demon-possessed, and the he was Catholic, but the way that he described the conversations he was having with these demons was peculiar. They didn't call hell hell. They called it the cauldron. They said our king, referring to um, Lucifer. Yeah, yeah, Lucifer. And just the the vernacular that they were using was way too extreme and odd to not be demon-possessed. But then you ask yourself the question, well, why aren't we all, to some degree, demon-possessed if it takes just you asking a question to a pendulum and, you know, inviting the spirits in? And, uh, and so I have a question in that regard, which is how in practical terms on a daily basis you wake up, brush your teeth, take a shower, get ready, go to work, come home, take care of the kids, go to bed at night, interact with the spiritual realm without it feeling like a weird, freaky, mm-hmm. there's a demon behind every doorpost, uh, kind of just just play that out for me. So we use the language of God creates and Satan counterfeits. But everything and everyone God creates, Satan can't create anyone or anything. All he does is counterfeit. And so part of spiritual warfare is just discernment. And it's the it's truth versus lies and you know forgiveness versus bitterness and the holy spirit versus unholy spirits and and uh, and these are these are categories that people need to understand you know so i mean you deal a lot in marriage ministry we now have a counterfeit definition of marriage in our culture we have living together for singles we have adultery and porn for married couples all of which are counterfeits to what God created, and that is marriage. So everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. And as you know that, you start to learn in life, okay, is this is this from God or against God? Should I receive this or reject that? The other category we use a lot is uh, heaven down or hell up. And I actually got this from your dad. Uh, he was teaching at an event that I heard. And that is that every day we live between heaven and hell. And ultimately, the decisions we make either invite heaven down or pull hell up. And so if you're hurt and you choose bitterness, you're pulling hell up into your life and you're going to be tormented because Satan and demons don't do forgiveness. Mm. Only God does forgiveness. If you choose forgiveness, you're inviting heaven down into your life. And so oftentimes it's when we're hurt. It's we're making daily decisions. Oftentimes those decisions are relational. God's one God, three persons, relational God. That's the Trinity. Satan attacks our relationship with God, ourself, others, and the church. And the first relationship he attacked was marriage. The first human relationship he attacks is marriage. So so a lot of what people think are emotional problems, relational problems, confusion, bewilderment. Sometimes it's incredibly spiritual, very practical, and not overt, but very covert in, in how the demonic realm is, is is working. And I don't know what you'd add to that, babe. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we know that the temptations come in at the world, the flesh, and the devil, but we kind of don't describe the demonic part. We think, okay, the world is easy because you can see the chaos. The flesh, we know, you know, our temptations, and we know the truth and we shouldn't let our flesh give into that, but we kind of skip over how does the enemy tempt us and threaten us to go off course if we're Christians. And so when you, you talked about parenting and just very practically with the kids, explaining the truth, which we do as parents, but then also explaining the tactics of the enemy. And we don't always know exactly how he's going to attack each of our kids or us, but we know his schemes with lies and unforgiveness and all that. And so we can help them understand mm-hmm. the demonic part of that by 
giving both parts. Like this is the truth, but the enemy comes in and wants to do this instead. And so I think that's an important part as we parent and even in all relationships, just explaining that so that they're not afraid of it and they're aware, um, have some wisdom when the enemy does attack, which is the point of our book is to kind of show what his tactics are and give tools to fight. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, And you mentioned something in the book about authority in your home, uh, it's like a police officer, you know, having authority to take over, you know, to tell somebody to do something. Mm-hmm. In your home, you have the authority. And yes. I, the way y'all described in the book was so helpful for even for me, because we have three kids. Uh, you know, there's challenges in this mm-hmm. world that yeah. I never thought we'd have to face at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talking about sensitive issues, uh, you know, things as extreme as suicide, mm-hmm. you know, friends that are talking about that kind of stuff of our children or, you know, the the, the sexual uh, you know, Absolutely. epidemic that we have of kids being uh, introduced to pornography mm-hmm. or to homosexuality yeah. way too young uh, at, at, a, at a young age or gender confusion. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with our family, our, our kids go to a Christian school and I'm a believer. I go to Gateway Church, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tither there. I'm, I'm doing all the right things. <laughs> but in my home, when my kids come home, I, I definitely sometimes feel like as a father, you can you can uh, miss opportunities to take authority mm-hmm. over your home. So, so again, just talk to the couples out there that are that are um, living life, and they both are godly people, believers, but they're not necessarily paying attention to the things they're introducing into their home and how they can maybe uh, get to a place where they understand that and they can take authority over that. A lot of what is uh, cultural narrative storylines. It's amazing. I mean how supernatural, paranormal, and sometimes demonic it is. I mean, I even think about Disney movies. Most of your Disney movies, it's like, is there an organized plot to scare young children? I mean— Well, there's always a parental death somewhere mm, in that storyline. There's always a parent dying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and so, you know, so what we would do when the kids were uh, younger, we've got got the five, when we were watching something, rather than forbidding it—now, things that are inappropriate, we would forbid— but we'd be watching something, we'd hit pause and talk about it. And I think that's kind of the model in Proverbs where it's sort of conversational in the course of life. Hey, kid, do you see that guy's house over there with the roof falling in and the grass growing up? Yeah, that's what happened. We call that deferred maintenance. And see that guy mm-hmm. over there with the venereal disease? Yeah, he wasn't faithful to his wife. And so Proverbs, you know, is parents just kind of having the conversations as they arise in life. And so there were different, there was one time we were watching, a, I think it was a, maybe a Pixar movie or something, and uh, hit pause. I was like, hey, let's talk about this. And they're like, yeah. They yeah, they show that the dad is an idiot, the mom is busy, and the pet saved the day. They said it seems like every film, that's kind of the storyline. You know, the pet and the kids are the smart ones. Yeah, exactly. Mom's distracted, dad's dumb. And I said, okay, let's talk about it. Because what that is, that is a sermon being preached to a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, and we tend to think that sermons only come in church. They don't. They come on YouTube as well. You know, they come... They come on social media. They come in any form and fashion. This can include even music. And so, you know, if parents just forbid their kids, they raise kids that are naive, Mm -hmm. which means they stay out of trouble until they get into big trouble because they don't see trouble coming. Which is happening younger and younger. Younger and younger. And so our goal is not to raise kids that are naive, but to raise kids that are discerning. 
which means we've got to introduce some things and give them those categories. You know, don't sleep with your girlfriend. That's a counterfeit. God's created marriage. That's his intent for you. I mean, you know, don't rebel against your parents. Rebellion is demonic. You know, honor your mother and father, and it'll go well for you. And, and it's it's seeing all of this in the lens of Scripture and of biblical truth and reality. Because if you just hand your kids over to the gravitational forces of culture and the demonic, it's it's a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of feel like we're in a stupor uh, as a society, and we're just sort of taking things as it comes. And I will say this, this is going to be Really, I'm not trying to sound shallow or superficial about it, but Kanye West is bringing a message to America, and it's actually, I think, waking some people up. You know, mm-hmm. even in our family, we his song, uh, Chick-fil-A, Closed on Sundays yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and it's a message that resonated with my wife and I, and we try to have a Sabbath, and we try to, you know, take a technology Sabbath, and mm-hmm. uh, but it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard, and especially when you have kids, and there's just a, a tendency to want to gravitate towards screen time or towards... Uh, just busyness, yeah. and uh, and so. I, but I think there's a message being sent to believers. Hopefully, that's getting them to say, "Hey, listen, there's more to life than just your Instagram. To, to more to life than just your social media feed. Uh, you know, disconnect, reconnect with people, physical yeah. people." And are y'all seeing that in your church? Are you seeing that across uh, kind of your vantage point? I think with older people, they they really value their capital. And I think younger people value their social capital. Mm-hmm. So the older you get, the more money you want to stow away. The younger you are, the more friends and followers you want to amass. Uh, but both are just distractions. And uh, it causes parents that are chasing money to overlook the children that are chasing followers. And it, and it sort, of, sort of exacerbates the problem. Um, and uh, And you think about it too, if there really is an unseen realm, if there really are demonic forces how incredibly powerful is technology today to communicate messages, to connect people, to even put people in harm's way? Um, I mean, the world is smaller and more dangerous than it's ever been, you know? And as parents, we you, you feel that. Um, even just stuff with TikTok and kids having private back channels of communication. And, I mean, it just, it's a terrifying age. It, it really is. And I mean, we love our kids. They love the Lord. Um, but we even know wonderfully great and good parents that, uh, you know, that absolute tragedies come upon their kids. Mm-hmm. I was a pastor's kid. Listen, if I grew up and there was iPhones and iPads and stuff when I was growing up, I mean, I know I would have been tempted to make poor decisions. And, you know, the 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 uh, good kids are still susceptible to temptation. Mm-hmm. And even if they're in a church environment, and there's just so much of it. It's and right. it's It's just so much— false advertising for what you said, which was a counterfeit uh, out there, but it feels so good to some some young people and there's so much peer pressure. So we, I don't want it, my kids to grow up in a bubble because that's what happened to me. And I felt when the bubble burst, I was like, me too. this is this world I've been missing. Let's do it. Then <laughs> yeah. I had to find out how bad Satan was for yeah. myself, which was honestly a great process for me. It let me find God for myself uh, and not my parents forcing me into that world. Uh, but I don't want that for my kids. I don't want them to have to to go down a road. I don't want them to be in a bubble. And I don't want them to also, though, just be thrown to the— Exposed to everything. Yeah, we've had—we've wrestled through that with a lot. And and honestly, it just takes that ministry of presence with our kids. It's so easy to just put them in front of a screen. Oh, just watch that show. You're not monitoring anything. We've tried to keep televisions and monitors kind of where I or he— can be during the day so that we're interacting with it as well. So that if we catch something that they're watching, that is a question we can say, Oh wait, let's either turn that off or let's talk about it. Like he said. Um, but 
parents are gone a lot, understandably, but we have to have that interaction with our kids. We cannot stop that face-to-face because they will just continue to get drawn to the social media. And so for our kids, our older kids didn't get raised as much in the social media part because they're 20 and 22, but they wanted that later, but then teaching them how to utilize that in a healthy way, letting them experiment and then correcting as you go. Um, But then our younger kids, they're bombarded with it, but they Mm -hmm. still don't have social media accounts necessarily, except for their shoe business. But, um, But we don't really allow for the younger ones to interact on that yet. They know what it's about, but we're kind of training them before they interact with it. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be so proactive about that as parents. We can't just let the culture teach them and the pressures teach them. And so, you know, and obviously Mark's on social media and he's had a lot of experience with that. So he shares that with them as well. Um, Well, and anymore, I mean, you know, I tell the kids, I was talking to Pastor Rick Warren some years ago. He said, communication day is instant, constant, global, and permanent. It's instant. I mean, it used to be you got to wait for the newspaper to come out tomorrow morning. You know, we got to go kill some trees and it's, it's on its way. Now it's instant. It's constant, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never stops, so Mm. you can literally be consumed. Uh, It's global. Everybody's invested, involved. I mean, it's it's crazy. You can post something and get attacked from somebody in another nation. You're like, Mm -hmm. this this happened quick, and then it's permanent. Once it's out there, it's like a tattoo. You got to live with it forever. So true. And so when you're young, if it's instant, constant, global, permanent, I mean, that permanent part, you know, which of us in our teens, 20s? Not mature. (laughs) uh, Yeah, said some things and you're like, yeah, I I would like to erase that. So thankful. Yeah. That was all in the past. I know. Unrecorded, Mm -hmm. not on Google's server somewhere. And so, you know, what happens is that love doesn't keep a record of wrong, but we have a culture that doesn't love, so it keeps a meticulous record of wrong. I mean, I am am no fan of, of Joe Biden. Um, but, you know, in, in a recent uh, presidential debate for the Democratic Party, I think they pulled up, I think they pulled up a story that was 30, 40 years old from the Wall Street Journal with a quote from him. And they're like, is this what you believe? I'm like, wow. I mean, you talk about digging and fact finding. It's like, so there was something that he said out of context three or four decades ago. And today that's going to be the defining moment of his existence for mm-hmm. his campaign. Like, I'm no supporter of his, but I'm like, that's that's rough. And good luck anybody living under that scrutiny. But just think about it. If you're a 14-year-old kid and you're posting dumb stuff and then you go to get a job at 24, that's part of the interview process. Well, it was Kevin, Kevin Hart. Uh, he was trying to host the Oscars. Yeah. And they oh, went yeah. back and pulled something from one of his stand-up acts years before. And it wasn't even really—it was out of taking out of context. It wasn't what he believed. But they just want to find controversy. And if you have a written record of it and a quick search can find you what you yep. want— you're toast. And so I don't envy anybody running for office these days. Oh, no. Well, when you think about the demonic, if the demonic is Revelation 12, 10, Satan is the accuser of the children of God. If if accusation is demonic, Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation in Christ. If condemnation and accusation is demonic, that pretty much is what we call the news. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not good news. Every night it's bad news. Mm-hmm. It's condemnation and accusation. And it there's no forgiveness. There's no making of peace. There's there's no hope for the better. It's literally, so I always like to say, you know something that's God's will when it's a win-win, because God loves all his people. You know something is the flesh when it's win-lose, I take advantage of you. You know it's demonic when it's lose-lose. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody wins. A lot of what's going on politically, socially, morally, um, spiritually, it's just lose-lose. That's how I know it's demonic. It's like God. God's plan is not to you know, destroy everyone. 
I don't know. I don't know how to control my uh, my internal emotions when I'm listening to news stories about politics. There's a hard has a hard time for me to process it in a godly way. So I end up just getting angry, uh, you know. And and that, that's a I think a challenge for most believers in our culture, especially with Donald Trump, mm-hmm. you know, tweeting all the time. Then you have you know so many hot topic issues. Oh, yeah that can divide upon, you just say the word abortion. You just say the word gay marriage. It's going to create camps. It's going to create conversations. Just say male, female. Just say male, female. <laughs> what, what, y'all's, uh, what y'all's pronouns are identifying yeah. today? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's the world we live in. I mean, at Target, I can go to either bathroom. I mean, that's a new day. Yeah, it is. And it, it's for, for parents. And, and I want to ask this quest, question, Grace, for your kids. I have three kids that are all so different. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do y'all parent your kids through this and individualize uh, maybe a plan for them and 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 communication to them um, you know even discipline with with them is everything different for each kid I mean have y'all found a plan to um, to really customize for each child to make sure that they're kind of growing up uh, with the vision that you want for them with their giftings with their skill sets because those are questions I have for my kids. They're so different. How do I get them to turn out the way I want them to <laughs> without having to just boilerplate it uh, one kid after the next? Yeah, I mean, when they're little, obviously, it's easy to just give them that boilerplate. And, and then you eventually see them veering in their different personalities. Um, so definitely finding their gifting and helping it nourish that and help them flourish in whatever that is so that they can enjoy life. Because I think a lot of times as Christian parents, we have a lot of rules and then kids don't get to be kids, mm-hmm. especially in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have to be really careful of that. But I think, yeah, it's it's teaching them the truth of the word, making sure they're, you know, whether it's in Sunday school or sermons or whatever, that they're hearing truth. But then we do a lot of sermon takeaways. Okay, what was that today? So that they actually have to interact with it and not just say, oh yeah, I learned this. How does that interact with your relationships at school, with the sports team, with we get into their lives and not just have these general categories of truth. Mm. And so for them, yeah, they're all different. They have different personalities. Some of them talk more than others about their life. Um, But finding ways with each child, I mean, we have some that are more quiet and we just have to wait sometimes for those conversations and be ready when they're all of a sudden ready to talk, even if it's not convenient for us. We have to literally stop and say, it doesn't matter that it's not convenient. They're willing to talk. And mm-hmm. so being available constantly, those, especially those teen years, that's where all the emotional energy goes. When they're little, it's exhausting physically. When they're teenagers, it's exhausting emotionally. Um, so making, being ready for those times and being willing to listen and not just correct quickly, but listen and go, how do you feel about that? What is that? How do you interact with truth with that? And um, just letting them dialogue that out so that they can come to that truth too. Because mm-hmm. as pastor's kids or as ministry kids or even Christian kids in general, they need to be able to think on their own and not just think what we think. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to work hard to help them learn how to think and not just what to think. Um, the school has been helpful with that as well. But they've had a lot of struggles, you know, just all around with relationships and just normal struggles in life. And so to help walk through those and, Mm. you know, sometimes our parents did a good job with that and sometimes they didn't. And so sometimes we're learning along the way and that's okay. Mm. And I would add too, I I agree, sweetie. I think um, sometimes we give certain freedoms to kid based upon age rather than maturity. And I think that's one of the great myths in our culture. You know, at 18, you're an adult. No, I've met a lot of eighteen-year-olds. They're not fully cooked. So they true. need more time in the pot. You know, so true. They're, they're not fully cooked. And so, you know, for us, our kids growing up, your kids as they get older, they always want more freedom. 
And uh, it's like letting out, you know, the rope a little bit at a time for water skiing. And uh, I always told the kids, the more responsible you are, the more freedom you get. I want to give you a lot of freedom, but for that to happen, you need to prove highly responsible. Mm -hmm. And so the, the worst is when you give freedom to kids that are irresponsible. That's where sometimes parents don't really train their kids. And at 18, they're like, all right, move out. You're on your own. Good luck. Make all your decisions. You're an adult. You're like, it's suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and so like our 18-year-old daughter, she was very, or she, our daughter when she was 18, she's now 22. She was super mature, godly for her age, um, just a, a really godly young woman still is and getting married here soon. And um, she came to me and she's like, daddy, after I graduate, I want to go to Costa Rica for like six months to study at a Bible college, work on my Spanish, get time with the Lord before I start college. I'm like, I wouldn't recommend that every dad send their 18-year-old daughter to a foreign country for six months. No. But I was, we prayed about it. I was like, you are responsible enough that I can give you that freedom with my blessing. And it was like a transformative, wonderful season of her life. Um, and so we, we like to talk about use tools, not rules. You know, and each kid may need a different tool, different maturity level means they get a different freedom. So some kids will be like, well, at 16, you let so-and-so have their license. Yeah, because they actually weren't texting and driving. And so, <laughs> you know, if you'll stop texting and driving, maybe we'll get there, yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. And so it's, I think that's the issue with parents is we want to make rules that apply to all the kids, but each kid is just really different in yeah. the maturity level. That's so good. Uh, well, to close, I just want y'all to have uh, a moment to encourage couples out there in their walk, specifically related to spiritual warfare, how they can, uh, on a daily basis, stay connected when the enemy is trying to divide them, um, just giving them some some hope and encouragement. And then after that, I'd like for, I've never done this before, but uh, ask you guys to pray uh, mm -hmm. for the couples out there and just yeah. speak a word of blessing over them. Cool. You can go first, sweetie. So what was the question? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, encourage couples out there that are that are out. Because, I mean, if Satan's coming to kill, steal, and destroy, I mean, obviously marriage is at the top of the, the yeah. list uh, beyond your relationship with, with God. And so how does how, how does a couple mindfully and prayerfully every day stay connected when they know that the enemy is trying to drive a wedge within them? I mean, what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, I think for us, um, it's been super helpful in times where you're fighting or disagreeing over something. It's easy to see each other as the enemy in marriage and just to really not allow the enemy to get into that place because the enemy, Satan, is the enemy. You are not each other's enemy no matter how mad you are at each other. And so for us, just being able to differentiate that alone in our disagreements has been super helpful. And, and being able to actually say that sometimes, you know, I'm not your enemy. We are in this together. Let's figure out why the enemy wants to divide us here. And let's pray through this, talk through this. Let's be able to have helpful conversations about it instead taking it out on each other. Mm. Um, and so I would just encourage them to not— be afraid to be willing to look at how the enemy is trying to use his, his tactics. If there's unforgiveness in the relationship, please, I beg you to forgive those times. It doesn't mean that it's okay. The person gets away with it. It means that you're letting the Lord deal with that in your marriage and you need to process it and work it through. And sometimes a counselor is helpful in those situations um, and not to be afraid of that. But the enemy is after everyone's marriage period. Mm -hmm. And so be aware of that, be on guard for that, be in the word, be in prayer together. Prayer fights the enemy big time. So be in prayer together. A lot of couples don't pray together. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. And you think about it, Satan didn't even show up till Adam was married. Mm. He could have wiped him out as a single guy. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I kind of joke, single people always tell us, you know, I can't, I'm really tempted. I'm really struggling. You know, life is hard. I can't wait till I get married. 
It's like, I'm telling you, man, you go from wedding to war. That's the storyline of the Bible. I love that. I love that line in the book. It's great. I mean, that's just, you know, and uh, our daughter, I said it as a joke in a sermon. I said, every engaged couple should put a helmet and a cup on their wedding registry. And our, our daughter did just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But, you know, if, if you're saying we're going to live in forgiveness, we're going to live in love, we're going to have an environment uh, that is filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to raise up kids to love and serve Jesus, you've got to know that you've just nominated yourself to be on the front line of a war. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and just knowing that means, you know, like Grace said in particular, I think the, the foothold that the enemy gets most of the time, particularly in marriage, is bitterness. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting because uh, Satan and demons, they, they're never forgiven of anything. Only, only, only people can be forgiven. Satan and demons, there's no possibility of forgiveness. And, and furthermore, they don't forgive anyone. And so in your marriage, if you're like, I'm hurt, so I'm not going to forgive, you know, it's where the Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, uh, Jesus says, Matthew 18, you'll be inviting torment into your life. Mm -hmm. You know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit who's there trying to help. Get rid of all bitterness. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I think sometimes spiritual warfare, or oftentimes, most of the time, maybe even spiritual warfare is simply, am I going to forgive as God forgave me? Or am I going to curse you and pour out my wrath and punish you uh, as God is going to do to Satan? Mm. You know, I mean, it, it's it's really that basic sometimes. Sometimes we think about, you know, exorcism and Rosemary's baby and paranormal. And sometimes it's just like I'm nursing a grudge. And that's how Satan moved into my house. I did want to ask you about Ananias and Sapphira. But that, now that you were talking about that sort of thing, uh, <laughs> because in the book— They were believers— I know. Named with the early church, why has Satan so filled your heart? Exactly. and But my question is, that's a scary moment to think that you can just drop dead because you sinned against the Holy Spirit. I asked my dad that question, and he said it's because the Holy Spirit was so strong in those early times that God could not, could not allow that level of sin to, um, to happen or else— it's it a precedent for the early mm -hmm. church. When you see it in Corinth, too, where he says, you know, there's a lot of immorality and you're bringing demons into communion, the Lord's table, Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, that's why many of you are sick and some have died. But that doesn't happen today. But maybe it does. I don't it know. Does. It probably does, yes. I just don't. I think we, we have categories of mental illness or physical mm -hmm. illness, and we don't even consider the possibility that there's at least a spiritual component. Mm -hmm. I just I hear stories all around the world people being raised from the dead, miracles happening, you know, stories about demons and that sort of thing uh, manifesting. I don't see it a lot in South Lake, Texas, but maybe it is medicated. Uh, maybe it is. It's self-medicated. I mean, if you start looking at depression, anxiety, insomnia, uh, addiction, homelessness. Number one medication. I mean, people are anxious. They're medicating. They're self-medicating. They're not well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're a country built on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So our end zone is happiness. No one's found it. Mm -hmm. No, they have not found it. Well, on that note, yeah, let's close in <laughs> prayer. And uh, appreciate you guys being on the podcast. Dear Lord, thank you for these couples that are listening. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them specifically. I pray against the battles in their life that they're facing right now, whatever that is, Lord. Thank you that you know each of us intimately and that this prayer can cover that Lord, I just pray that they would be aware of the enemy's tactics and that they would not give footholds. Lord, we know that a foothold 
becomes a stronghold, becomes a stranglehold. And we see a lot of those results in our culture today, Lord. So we pray against that for these couples. We pray that they would work in unity to love one another and to have you bring unity and peace into their marriage, Lord, that they wouldn't be afraid of these conversations that can lead to life, that they wouldn't give up, that they wouldn't be hopeless, Lord, that you would just grant them um, just a, a spirit of um, courage to step into whatever they're facing and to allow you to bring health and healing into their relationships. Father God, I just feel inclined to pray for the, the men, the husbands, the fathers. Uh, God, as we read Genesis, it's not just what happened, it's what always happens. And that is that there is a man and a woman who God blesses and loves and provides for. And then Satan shows up uh, to counterfeit, to co-opt, to corrupt everything God is creating. And, and Lord, in the, in the first battle in Eden, uh, our first father, he said and did nothing. He just sat there and watched his wife uh, get confused uh, by the demonic and saw her uh, rebel and then handed him rebellion, and he participated in her rebellion. And God, I just pray for the men that they would see if they don't lead their family, Satan will. And that's the story of Adam and Eve. He didn't lovingly stand up. He didn't lovingly lead. He didn't lovingly discuss or intercede or pray. Instead, he just sat there and watched. And God, for a lot of men, that is spiritual warfare, just sitting in the chair and watching the game rather than getting up and getting in the game. And so, Lord, I pray against the enemy of servants, their works and effects, and I pray for the men to start to pray with their wives, to pray over their children, to be looking for opportunities to be a provider and protector and blesser, and that, Lord God, they would not let Satan be the head of their household in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark and Grace Driscoll, thanks, thanks for being on yeah. the podcast. Win Your War is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Go get it. I promise you it'll bless your marriage. Uh, if you want to listen to their voices, the audiobook was very fantastic as well. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, I want to say once again, thank you for listening to the Exo Marriage Podcast. You spent some time with us today. I hope it blessed your marriage. I also want to tell you about my good friends, Dave and Ashley Willis, who are part of the Marriage Today team and Exo team. They have a podcast called The Naked Marriage Podcast. It's about having a transparent relationship with your spouse. And they cover so many great topics, including just recently they had an episode about oral sex. So I don't need to say more about that. You can go check it out uh, wherever you get your podcast. We are also launching exolatino.com. Our good friends, Lewis and Kristen Ramon, have a brand new podcast from us at Exo Marriage. It's called Exitol and La Familia. And uh, I know I hit every accent perfectly with that, but I hope you check that out as well. If you know anybody who speaks Spanish, it could be one spouse or the other that can be blessed by listening to the podcast. I hope you check it out. It'll be a great resource for them as well. So thank you once again for listening to the Exo Marriage Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>